Bring it in. The read option here on Championship Eve, Eve, Eve. Three days before. I don't know if there's a word for that, but we are approaching quickly Championship Weekend. Uh, I am so excited for this weekend. Two stellar football games, four great teams. This is why, you know, the quote, the great Bill Parcells, this is why you lift all them weights. And as viewers of football, that's why you drink all those beers and you bet on all those games and you eat all those wings to get to this point right here. Championship weekend. Uh, We're down to three football games left in the football season. We're about to to raise you up on Eagle Swings. How about that for a little Catholic reference? There you go. As long as it's talking about the Eagles and it's positive, that's all no, I care. No, I love they're, it. They're I love it. Ones, Scotty's the ones. Yeah, going Scott, up. I think Scotty's yeah. an Eagles fan right now. Yeah, that's what you're like. right. The Eagles wins. You're right. I like it, Scott. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we are excited. This probably will be somewhat contentious, and you know what? Mm-hmm. We're gonna let it. We're gonna let it get a little contentious in this pod. Um. And I'm excited. I think this is going to be super fun. Uh, we have a fun little twist on how we normally do the pods for that game. Uh, and then we'll hit the Cincinnati-Kansas City game afterwards, as well as some news and notes from around the NFL. We have our first new head coach hired as of about two hours ago, Frank Reich, going to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. So we can break some of that down at the end of the pod. But, of course, this podcast is about one thing and one thing only, and that is conference championship weekend so with that Vito scotty how we doing boys great man um great got to uh you know got to get get a little ready for this game i got some some good stuff to talk about i'm excited to get into some of the details here it's we do this right all year and it's so fun when you get four teams to really dive into and this game means everything um one of my favorite nfo quotes of all time top three easily is Joe Green, mean Joe Green, talking in an interview uh, in mid 2000s, saying like his favorite thing is that precise moment when you know that the next ball game that you're going to play in is a Super Bowl. He says it just doesn't get any better than that. That's his highlight of his entire career was that first including, time that happened, including winning the Super Bowl. Oh, well, the he first time. Just, I... No, he said like that. That moment, me, it just it meant something so different. Of just like yeah. Yeah, we, we earned the right to be there. And yeah, they won. I mean, they went undefeated in him in his career, but still just yeah, so excited. That's gonna feel that's gonna feel great for me and the guys. <laughs> How you doing, oh Scotty? I'm good, man. I'm uh I'm you know anxious a little bit, but uh here we are. This is this is why we do what we do, as you said, Jeff. Um they, I'm I'm excited, you know. I just want to point out at the top. It's all fun and games here between me and Jeff. Okay. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're really friends in real life and truthfully, and I'll say this with, with the utmost honesty, whoever wins this game and we know it'll be San Francisco, but whoever wins this game, I will be rooting for in the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'll say the same thing only because I, I know you them. wouldn't. I, no, I wouldn't no, expect it's, you to. It's, but it's not because I don't thing like the again. Niners. It's not because I don't like the Niners. It won't be out of like hate for the Niners. It'll be if the Bengals are also in because I love Joe Burrow. And again, yeah. I want to be proven right. I want Joe Burrow to have a Super Bowl before Justin Herbert wins his first playoff game, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, 
But uh, no, I do. I do completely agree with you, Scotty. Everything you said spot on. It is fun in games. We will debate like it's going to come out. And I'll tell you what, Tuesday's pod is going to be really interesting one way or the other, um, because one of us is going to be really happy. That one's going to be really bummed. Uh, But it is important to, to, to point out that these are the two best rosters in football, Niners and Eagles. And then you have arguably the two best quarterbacks in the AFC and Mahomes and Burrow. Like football doesn't really get better than this. And I think for all of us, football fans included, like the best outcome we can have this weekend, especially for anyone who doesn't have a dog in this fight, uh, is to hope for really good football, you know, and and I think we're going to be in store for that. I can't wait for Sunday afternoon. I Again, Sunday night will be a bummer if the Eagles don't win, but hey, it's still football. We'll see how quickly those uh, those those wounds will heal, probably take a little bit of time, but we will get there. Um, I mentioned off the top, we are going to do this a little bit differently. And so with that, what we're going to be doing is uh, Vito is going to take over hosting responsibilities. He's going to take the reins for the first time on this podcast that somebody other than me is going to be point guard. I feel like I, I, I don't like letting go of control, but like I got to. You're taking gotta, the armband off and handing it to me. It, yeah, it's yeah. just because you're being taken off at the end of the game, right? It's yeah. just it's just because you're in there. Yeah. Yeah. Good soccer reference on a football podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. Just take taking the captain's band off. I'm like uh, I'm like Roy Kent giving it to uh, <laughs> the, the other guy from uh, from Ted Lasso. So uh, Vito, I, uh, I gave you did not give you a lot of notice on this. So uh, and, and we'll get again, it'll be conversational. I'll throw some stuff oh, yeah. out too, but I want Vito. This is your your shit, my man. Let's lead it, lead us here and uh, let's have some fun getting ready. Niners, Eagles, minus two and a half to the birds right now. Floor is yours. Well, first of all, can't wait to go to this game. This is going to be absolutely nuts. I'll Fuck be going you. back to Philly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wait. This is such a great, I mean, this is going to be a great matchup between both of you guys' teams just to start off. Both teams have some of the top five guys in PFF rating their positions on both sides of the ball. It's an incredible matchup here. Usually we'll start with one team on offense, one team on defense, but I want to ask you guys some questions before we get into it. Okay. A little unique, but if there's, if there's one thing that you're worried about, or really what's one thing that you wish that you can neutralize of the other team. I'm going to start with you, Jeff. What's one thing that you'd like to neutralize from San Francisco? It could be a player, could be a scheme, could be, you know, specific rush. What, what do you think is the thing you're most worried about on, on that side of the ball? I think it's the linebacking room for San Francisco. Um, if if you told me, like, hey, you'll win that battle, like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, like they're not going to be issues. Uh, you'll be able to run the ball consistently. I, I would take that nine, like nine times, ten times out of ten, honestly. Like yeah. you, could, you could say Debo, you could say – Brandon Ayu, Christian McCaffrey, all those guys. I think the Eagles defense is going to be good enough that I'm I'm not as worried about the defensive side of the ball. But knowing that we'd be able to run right at San Francisco, which I think they can do anyway because San Francisco is not great up the middle. Um, They're built for speed and explosive plays and game-changing type plays, forcing turnovers. That ugly run it up the middle with, you know, whether it's Jalen on the read options or whether you're just handing off in that running back room. San Francisco is not built to stop that. And I think that's one of the big advantages. But when you're talking about that RPO game, when you're talking about the way that um, the Eagles get linebackers in particular, so off balance, when you have an athlete as explosive and dynamic as Fred Warner, 
he he can do so many things to blow that up, right? He can do so many things to recover from, hey, he bit on the read fake, but he can still get back and make the play and, and take what could have been a 10-yard run and turn it into a yeah. five-yard run, and that well, can we, make the difference. So Even on, on the in the passing game, we saw that last week. He was literally exactly. on the line of scrimmage yeah. making a read and went step for step with CeeDee <laughs> Lamb 30 yeah. yards down the field to break up a pass. No, I, I think, Jeff, to your point here, just the numbers back you up. I mean – Fred Warner, number two in PFF, Greenlaw, number six, Al Shayer is number 21. And not to mention the only opportunity. I mean, I see the, the, the vision, I guess, for you guys is the fact that you have such a good interior offensive line that can get to the second level and your receivers and tight ends are like really some of the best blocking uh, skill players in the whole NFL. So that's going to be an insane matchup. But to Scotty, what's what's your worry, man? What's your number one thing you're concerned about I, that the birds I are was... bringing on Sunday? I was going to have a similar answer um, was was neutralizing the the read uh, the read option, which I think is what you can do with your linebackers. We'll get into more of that when we discuss sides of the ball, I think. But uh, so I'll I'll go differently uh, just to uh, to provide some some extra juice. I'm going to say limiting the explosive plays downfield to A.J. Brown, Devonte Smith, um, even Dallas Goddard in a lot of cases, but. Uh, it, it, the one thing I haven't liked uh, for for most of the season, really, and, and especially in the playoffs, is the secondary giving up big plays. Like Talanoa Hufanga overcommits, right? He'll drop in and help on run coverage. He's not there in the back end to help out with with one of the receivers or over the middle if it's between the numbers. Uh, and then you you leave Traverius Ward, who's played uh, relatively poorly against. Um, against Seattle, uh, which is another team like DK Metcalf is hard to beat off the line of scrimmage, similar type deal with, uh, with AJ Brown here. Um, and in the, in the Cowboys game, we, we left Diamador Lenore on an Island against one of the best route runners in the league in CD lamb. It's going to be tough, uh, to, uh, on all levels in, in that regard, because, uh, like I said, AJ Brown's physical and explosive off of the line of scrimmage, and Devontae Smith is one of the best route runners in the league. So is AJ Brown for that matter. Uh, and so I, it's going to be it's going to be challenging, especially just containing those two. Let alone you have Dallas Goddard as an out. You have uh, Quez Watkins, who's been a, a very effective number three uh, receiver for the Eagles. Uh, so I think though, if you can limit that that big play downfield, that's where the the Eagles offense sort of gets momentum. That play happens, and if it's not in the end zone, it's like, well, now we know we can do whatever you want, be, or we want to, because we can commit, uh, we can commit less guys at the line of scrimmage, uh, make you force you to make a decision on, on the second level with wherever Jalen's going to go uh, or wherever the option's going to go, uh, and, and that's I think what makes their their offense super potent and super dangerous. Yeah, and, and I would say too, Scott, like that's what I would pick if I was in your spot. I, yeah. To me, like that's the thing that's got to scare you. Because you have Fred Warner, you have Drake Greenlaw, like you have pieces in place that can do things that no one else can do to potentially slow down this Eagles offense, which is objectively almost impossible to stop based off of the way that it's designed. So the one weakness and has been the biggest weakness all year. Um, right now, the Niners have had eight plays of 50 yards or more given up this year. That's tied for last in the NFL. Um, so the big play threat, especially – I mean, what I thought was like, imagine if that Cowboys team had Amari Cooper still instead of, yeah. Steve, right. So you have Tony, very Pollard, different game, Amari Cooper <laughs> and CD lamb, very that, different game. I, I really do. I think that makes it completely different. Now, 
again, Fred Warner covers up a lot of, a lot of stuff, but um, to me, like, I, I do think that's the one thing that if I'm San Francisco and Ofanga is, is so fun and he's so, he makes these amazing plays at the line. He's great in the run game, which is a great piece to have against Jalen. But since Jalen's become the number one deep thrower in the NFL this year, he's got the number one QBR. He's got the number one completion percentage. He's got the most explosive plays from that spot, throwing balls 25 yards or more on the outside. I mean, he's gotten so good at that, that it scares you having a guy who's a total gambler, right? He's kind of like Riverboat Ron. He's like Riverboat Ofanga. You know, he's going to come up to the line and and he'll make plays that are huge in big spots, but he also will get burned for deep balls. So, and Deshaun yeah. Gibson, Deshaun Gibson's great. He's been in the league forever, but that also, it's not like he's some, you know, legendary guy either. So yeah. it, it's interesting. More, Lenar on the outside, if, if they match up in the single coverage, you're going to blitz at some point in here you're going to get swept up in the run on a play action. You're going to have one-on-one and, and you're telling me it's AJ Brown and Lenar like going one-on-one. I'll... Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing too, you know, because, because I, I feel the Eagles offensive line is probably the best offensive line we played all season chiefs included. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and even fully healthy that that's going to be tough to get penetration on the quarterback. So they're going to have to drop one of those guys to help on blitz coverage. Um, um, and Jalen, but defense, here's the thing so. is too, is like, I think you want to blitz if you're San Francisco jail. The only yeah. area that Jalen's not a top five quarterback this season has been in the blitz where he ranks 22nd. So it's not that he's bad against the blitz. He's taken too many sacks probably. Um, and he can ex- escape. And the one thing I love about Jalen is a lot of times when, when a play breaks up because of pressure, he'll scramble and then throw the ball away, right? Fight. You know, he doesn't take a lot of negative plays. Um, but at the same time, if you're looking to try to neutralize him, but it is that one play where he gets the ball off, takes the hit and it's Quez Watkins matched up against, yeah. you know, Dre Greenlaw on the outside. And, and those guys are fast, but Quez is an absolute burner. Right. So yeah, he's also, I don't want to step on your questions, but I have a Quez thought I want to get to later. Anyway, go ahead, Vito. All what's right. the, what's the next question? So now we, uh, we, we kind of stuck on that side of the ball, the Eagles offense versus the Niners defense. So let's flip and let's think about, the San Francisco offense, Brock Purdy, McCaffrey, Kittle, saying all, all these skill players versus, you know, one of the most diverse pass rushing groups we've ever seen, probably ever, in terms of all of these guys who can get after the quarterback. You know, some great corner play, a lot of safety and nickel play coming up the rotation. I mean, Apps got in there, obviously Gardner Johnson backs big. Um, on this side of the ball, specifically San Fran offense versus the Eagles defense, what Jeff – do you think is the Eagles most susceptible weakness? Like how, how are, if, if this goes wrong, you lose the game. What, yeah. what is it on this side of the ball? Run defense. I, I would say run, run defense and what ga- the game plan Gannon has coming in. Um, I mean, if, if you give too much space playing zone, uh, I, I do think Purdy can beat you, but you also can't play man to man against these wide receivers and against George Kittle. Right. Um, I think they know that Kittle has become the safety blanket. I mean, his target share has gone up dramatically since uh, Brock Purdy's come into the lineup. And Brock Purdy was great throwing to the tight ends in college. Um, was it Charlie Bauer? Was that the, was that the name of the tight end? Or um, Charlie Kolar was the tight end he had at Iowa State. Charlie who, Bauer sounds like a tight end, though. I'll tell he you. does. Um, <laughs> yeah, Charlie Kolar, who plays um, – he's in the NFL somewhere. I forget what team he's playing on. Uh, but it was a really good tight end at Iowa State, and uh, the two of them linked up a lot. And I think Brock Purdy actually made him a better prospect because 
you know, he favors that tight end spot. So I think the Eagles obviously have to take concern there. Um, but a lot of it's going to be McCaffrey, you know, slowing down McCaffrey, who, who's been banged up. He's listed as questionable, hasn't practiced all week. Uh, and that helps the Eagles. Uh, he's definitely going to play. He said that today. Uh, but, he, you know, he's banged up. So that's a plus in the Eagles direction. But the one weakness of this Eagles team statistically has been stopping the run. I think the Eagles are going to be do a good job stopping the run in this game. I, I don't think they're going to line up in that bare five down front. If they do, they have to kind of run like a five, one, five where they only have one linebacker on the field and TJ Edwards, and they bring in extra corner, you know, extra defensive backs, whether that's Avante Maddox, who's trending towards playing, um, you know, as that extra corner, which I, I kind of like the idea of doing that. Cause at least, you know, you're going to get go- a good chance up front. Um, but the Gannon stuff scares me, man. Like when he's on and his game plan's rocking, like it, he's amazing. But when he's off and he's playing super soft and you have a guy like Dak, we saw it on Christmas Eve, right? He picked them apart for 40 points against a fully healthy Eagles defense. You, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't give this team too much space, but you can't play them man to man either. So I'd like to see them in that kind of five yard zone, um, mix a little bit of press, man. You have Bradbury, you have guys who can challenge Ayuk and Debo, but you can't do it the whole game. And uh, I, I think if the Eagles defense gets beat significantly in this game, it's going to be because Gannon's game plan is wrong. And, and so I'd say my biggest concern on the defense side of the ball is Jonathan Gannon, which, which version are we getting? Are we getting <laughs> the genius or are we getting the guy who, you know, diarrhea is down his pants? <laughs> hey, that happens to legendary coaches. Okay. We're going to skip from that. Scotty, why don't we uh, go to you? What are you? What are you worried about? What happens? What needs to happen for the Eagles to win against your Niners on this side of the ball? Um, why do I want them to win? <laughs> what What are you scared about? What are you most scared about that the Eagles are going to do? And you're like, shit. If the Eagles do X, we lose this game. Probably. I'm I'm scared. I'm scared about uh, to answer the question about the secondary shutting down. Uh, the the receiving core to the point where um purdy's been doing the thing where he'll scramble and have nowhere to throw and then end up taking a a 15 yard sack on 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 second and third down because that's we we've seen over the past two weeks like that when that offensive line breaks down and there one of my notes is that they have to play the game of their life uh the offensive line because they're that defensive line is going to come and whether or not it's to a fault where they overcommit and we're like, uh, Hey, let's run the ball. Um, then, then fine. But I think still even in pass protection, they have to, the Niners O line has to play out of their mind, um, against this, uh, against this rush. So, um, limiting him, limiting Purdy to that and, and may, forcing him to be in spots where he has to throw the ball early, uh, I think is, is going to be the recipe for the, for the Eagles defense. Cause the secondary is plenty good enough especially in coverage. Yeah. Um, it's going to be how they, for the Niners offense too, how they're going to line up those guys if they get in those situations. Um, but but for the success of the Niners offense, I'm with Jeff, man. Uh, and the numbers back it up as, as well. I mean, uh, the times we saw the the Eagles defense struggle is uh, this season, the few times has been on against teams that run the ball effectively and have good ball control. Um, so the Niners uh, do do both of those. The, they are in the top 10, just about every statistical rushing category uh, on offense this season, rush attempts, touchdowns per game, uh, getting first downs, which helps with the ball control. 
uh, yards per game, yards per attempt. Um, they're all they're all really high uh, between between usually between six and ten in the league. Um, and they're going up against the Eagles defense, who ranks in the middle of the pack in all of those statistical categories, and twenty fourth in uh, in uh, uh, rushing yards per game at one hundred and twenty five. Um, and then, as far as ball control, the Niners have the longest seconds per per play in in the entire league uh, at thirty. Uh, I believe it's thirty one and thirty two in the playoffs. So, keeping the ball out of Jalen's hands, being able to run the ball effectively, that's going to be the, the offensive key. Yeah, I think to your point. You're worried about the D-line, but to your point, like, of the secondary, if the Eagles start getting coverage sacks, you know what I mean? Yeah, if well, if Purdy the... has to hold on the ball for six seconds, it's not going to be yeah. a good game for him. Exactly. Like, that's just not going to work out if he's scrambling every time. The only thing I'm worried about is if he does scramble. For some reason, him and Kittle have, like, this bond already. I don't know what has happened. I don't know if, like, he was practicing with him at one point when he was hurt, whatever the deal is. But, like, these guys, I'm, I'm worried about if, if at least uh, just straight up, I'm rooting for the Eagles, right? I'm trying to be neutral, but – from from the perspective I'm seeing is is worrying about on the Eagles side if they start rolling out and these broken plays happen who's got Kittle and how are you going to contain that because I think you're going to get 20 to 30 yards this game easily from broken plays from from Purdy to Kittle if not more but that's going to be wild I I would also I just want to add this too about Purdy in particular because I think Purdy has to be the biggest concern I mean I obviously like when we're talking about that matchup like he's asking about the Eagles defense specifically what worries you yeah but what happens in a situation where the Eagles get the ball first they go down score a touchdown right and they get a stop they go down kick a field goal get another touchdown right all of a sudden it's a it's a two-score game we haven't seen Purdy other than the 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 Raiders game against a, a really bad Raiders team earlier in the season and now you're in the NFC championship game your season's on the line I'm curious to see what that version of Brock Purdy looks like, right? Is he going to be the guy who starts doing too much? Is he going to be the guy who starts trying to force the ball into spots that he hasn't had? Because so far he's been able to play within himself, but that's because the defense has bailed him out. But what happens if, Hey, the Eagles strike big on a big touchdown early on and, and they force a turnover, right? Cause Purdy hasn't turned the ball over yet, which is crazy, right? At least not in the playoffs. So what happens when that starts to happen, right? Like what, what version of Purdy do we get? if his hand is forced and he has to start to try, try to elevate his play to get his team back in, because I think the offense is good enough that they, if he stays within it, they can get back in the game. We saw that against Dallas. They were down against Dallas. They kept the same thing, but that defense had such a good read on Dallas's offense. I don't know if they're going to be able to go. If this turns into a shootout, it's Eagles all day. Right. You know, cause I just, I, I don't see Brock Purdy being able to do enough to keep up offensively. Yeah. You want it to be a, a slugfest. That's what I've been telling uh, my folks back home. They're like, "What's the? What are the keys?" I'm like, turn the ball game into a slugfest. <laughs> yeah, because that means the Niners are going to have the ball. They're going to be running the ball well, and and, mm-hmm. and then that takes care of itself on defense in terms of keeping the ball out of uh, out of Jalen's hands. Hundred percent. Sure. So, all right, last good one I have for you guys right here, and I'm going to start with uh, with you, Jeff. What's one thing? that the opponent just has no fucking chance to deal with. What's like your strength that you're like, this is going to happen. We're going to do this. And there's no way Niners are going to stop us this is happening no matter what. I, I think it's, I think it's going to come to, I think the trench play, I think the Eagles are the better team on both sides of the ball in the trenches. The offensive line is not even close to as good as the Eagles offensive line. The defensive line has Nick Bosa, 18 and a half sacks. The next highest sack total is five on that line. Like I, I'm not worried 
at all about whether or not the Eagles are going to win the battle of the line of scrimmage. Um, to me, like the only, the only way the Eagles really start to get in danger of losing this game is if they turn the ball over. Right. And that can come in a bunch of different ways. That can be Jalen holding the ball in for one last second strip sack from Bosa, right? Because Bosa is a stud. No question. Trent Williams is a stud. I'd say if you pick the best player on both lines of scrimmages, like one from each side for both teams, it's probably yeah. Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, though. I think Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey would, would be right there with Trent Williams. But collectively, the Eagles defensive line is significantly better and the Eagles offensive line is better. So I, I think if there's one thing I know is I, I think the Eagles offensive line is going to come in and bully the guys ahead of them. And we've seen what they've done when they've gone up against elite pass rushers. They were been able to neutralize Micah Parsons both times they played the Cowboys this year. I know the Eagles are going to be they're going to come in looking for that. And when you have a guy like Jason Kelsey, like I was just listening to a podcast uh, previewing this game today. And they, the guy made a great point. Like the Eagles design plays because they have Jason Kelsey. How many other teams say that they design plays for their offensive linemen, their center of all positions, yeah. right? Like that's how yeah. dominant he well, that's, is. That's the thing is the, the interior on both sides for, yeah. for the Eagles is, is far and away better. Like you'll and, get no argument from me there. And the Eagles, think, the Eagles were stunting last week with Hassan Reddick, where he's hitting his jab step, cutting back in <laughs> up the middle, and you're seeing, you know, Javon Hargrave all of a sudden takes that guard, shoves him all the way out to the far left side, and now there's a big hole. Or you got Hassan Reddick one on one with the center, not being ready yeah. for him. I, yeah. I think it's a recipe for success for the Eagles. Is it's just yeah. dominating the line of scrimmage. You're going to see that stunting a lot too on the defensive side of the ball from the Niners because they mm-hmm. have the athletes to to do. Eric Armstead on the on the interior there too is is going to be huge. Um, sorry, yes. Vito, you got a, you no, got no, a question? No, no, no. I, I'm I'm just going to back up what Jeff's saying with some stats here. So PFF yeah. rankings, Kelsey is number two, and I guess just I won't go through everybody, but the highest is Landon Dickerson at 21. He missed some time. I actually think Landon Dickerson is higher than that in terms of lineman rating, and then. Right, exactly. And then on, on the Niners offensive line, you have Trent Williams, number one, but the next highest guy you have is actually worse than the Eagles' worst guy. He's at 24. And you flip the side of the ball. The Eagles from Reddick at 13, Sweat 10, uh, Hargrave at 13. Fletcher Cox has missed some time and hasn't been the most effective guy in his career, but he's no. still he's putting it on right now. And then on, on the flip side, you know, like you BG said, you have Bosa, too. but then I mean, Armstead. Yeah, exactly. BG's coming in for 15 snaps a game and, and is getting sacks, which is crazy. That's the, fact, the depth, too, for the Eagles. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the things. So, Scotty, same question to you, though. Like, What is one thing that you think San Francisco is going to knock out of the park and that the Eagles have no chance of stopping either side of the ball? What, what do you think it is? Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's going to pound it down your throat for 100-plus uh, on the on the ground and probably over fifty receiving, um, out out of the backfield. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is going to absolutely run away uh, with this game, and I think if he does, that that spells good things for for the Forty ers I'm curious here, and I was just trying to look up the stat, but I, I I can't off the top of my head remember if the Eagles have given up a hundred yard rusher this season. And now part of that is because they've been ahead so much that they've, um, you know, teams have to throw the ball to keep in it. But the yards per attempt and, and the running defense, and that's why I said it was, it was probably my number one concern defensively, um, is if the Eagles are able – now, they just did – and if you say that, look, I think we could all agree on this, and, and maybe there's somebody else we could throw in, but if there's one running back that exists in the NFL that is comparable 
to Christian McCaffrey, it's probably Saquon, right? At least in the guy who can do as many different things. I mean, McCaffrey, when he's healthy, like there's no one else that's out there, but in terms of being dynamic, breaking big runs, and even in, you know, in that third quarter drive from the Giants last week, Saquon did break off like a 40 yard run. Like he did have a big play in there and he's, and there, there will be a big play from Christian McCaffrey in this game. I have no doubt. It's just a matter of at what point in the game is that what's the context and does it result in points or not? You know, and um, how many times does it happen? So got, got a, got some notes from Zach Parker. Apparently, um, you know, who was a hundred yard rusher it was week one. I was going to say that's the one game, DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift, 150, yeah. but that was 144. That's, that's all I'm, that's all he's seeing. So yeah, um, there might be one other sprinkled in there. Crazy good defense from the Eagles on the run. Well, and point, their the offense is, plays defense, right? Cause their offense gets ahead. So to your yeah. point, like it's so complimentary. And if you look at the game, like the game that they've lost, right? Like Brian Robinson in the Washington commanders game on that Monday night game, right? Like they just ran the ball down. Like, and the Eagles just couldn't stop anything. But mm-hmm. since then, because that and that game came off of the Houston game where the same thing happened, where it was Damian Pierce who was running the ball down the Eagles' throat, right? Um, that has been a consistent theme until that game was kind of the last time that there's been a really bad, like consistent, like Eagles cannot get the ball back. Um, You're due, <laughs> maybe, or you know, or maybe Gannon's <laughs> figured something out. Um, so you're I want both those guys also. Uh, well, at least. Pierce was the last hundred yard rusher. Robinson didn't even get there because you guys were ahead. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I want to. There is a couple other things I want to talk touch on with this game, obviously, because mm-hmm. I want to get some more more thoughts in here other than that. And great job, Vito. That was fantastic. Um, there's a couple of players who I think can make a difference, and so I'm going to ask you guys in a little bit about. So start thinking on it, but about under like under the radar guys who end up making a big play right because that's ultimately what happens in in playoff games there's always somebody who ha- isn't one of the big name players who ends up having a huge play that changes the course of the game um but one of the points i wanted to make here and, and we've spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks and we've talked about san francisco talking about the multiplicity of this team right their ability to line up with that 21 personnel with use check and mccaffrey and all those guys um and then they can go 21 with two tight ends in with you check playing the tight end run West coast style, run old school ground and pound run spread out five wide empty backfield, right? They can do so many different things. And I've been obviously, and I'm sure Scott, you've been doing the same thing. Like I've been listening to every single podcast that I possibly can mm-hmm. that covers the Eagles or covers the NFL in general, like every single person that I respect. Um, Cause I want to hear as many opinions on as possible because this week is so exciting. And there's been a consistent theme, right? Where it seems like a lot of the national people, and look, I'm not going to be the guy that shits on national people because nobody watches your team as much as you do, right? And right. this is a big thing in the NBA where I was like, oh, the national guy comes Except in. Except Mina Kimes. One... <laughs> well, even Mina Kimes, because that was one of the podcasts <laughs> I was listening to today, right? The national people haven't watched every single thing like you have, right? Um, and one of the things that I found really interesting this week was everyone's talking about all the multiplicity and all the different plays and formations and the shit that the Niners can do, which is true, valid, and very scary as an Eagles fan. The Eagles are just as good at that. Yeah. Like, remember when we've sat here and talked on the podcast throughout the season where it's like, oh, they threw for Hertz threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then the next week they play, you know, Green Bay and they ran the ball for, you know, 400 yards, right? Like, 
the, the one thing it's a little different because it's not as like kind of cool and sexy that it's one formation that they can run a bunch of different things out of, but their team is designed to beat you any possible way. However, your defense is built. The Eagles have a way to beat you. It just comes down to whether or not they execute or not, which is why like coming in, like even against Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and in this ridiculously good Niners team and don't get it twisted. This is the best team the Eagles have played all year. But the reason mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident going into this team that I think the Eagles are going to win is because their their offense has an answer for everything as long as they execute, which is why Nick Sirianni in his postgame uh, you know, talk with the locker room was like, all we need to focus on is what we do in here, right? It doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter what's coming in. If we do our job in here and focus on what we do, we will beat anybody that comes in front of us. And that is true to the extent that that's how they've built this offense. Sirianni's built this offense this way. Steichen calls the plays this way. And Steichen went through a little kind of weird stretch towards the end of the season where he wasn't really calling plays all that well, uh, made some basic mistakes. The New Orleans game was particularly really, really bad. Um, And now in the last couple games, I'd say the game against the Giants where it was like, all right, he was keeping it vanilla. He's getting us to a win. And then the playoff game against the Giants – He knew exactly the right button to push, when to push it. And that's kind of been a consistent theme with this team all year. So ultimately, I think think it's the Eagles game. I don't say it's the Eagles game to lose, but I do. They're favorites. I do. But I think if the Eagles do what they're supposed to do, they should win this game. I, 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 I really do believe that. All right, Scotty, what about you? I mean, I know you have some statistics you want to throw at us, I'm sure. So, so what else you got in there? What, what, are, you, what are you thinking about for this game, and why are we wrong? Because I'm, I'm with Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well, look, I mean, I feel like as dynamic as these two are, uh, these two coaches, these two uh, offenses, these two defenses, I, I really do think at the end of the day, uh, there's, there's this feeling that, that all of these games end up coming down to uh, – the, the core essence of football, what it's all about. Who can, who can block better in the trenches? Who can run the ball more effectively? Uh, and, and who can convert over special battle. teams? And that's, over battle I was teams. just going to say that. I, I think that's the number one indicator of what decides this game is, is the turnover yep. battle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think like it's razor thin. These teams are so fucking good that like if a turnover, turnover switches the game. Yeah, it does. Well, Scotty, let me, let me ask you this then. We uh, we're getting on to hop. We're, we're getting ready. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon, Monday afternoon. The games have been played. We know who's playing in the Super Bowl. 49ers win. And we hop on and I say, Scotty, how did your boys do it? What does that look like? I, I've said it before. It's going to be neutralizing on defense, uh, not, not letting the big play happen. You can give A.J. Brown his 90 90- to hundred yards a game, but make sure that it's on, on those slant plays or, or medium routes. Do not give up the explosive play, shut down the run game. I don't care if it's miles Sanders, Boston Scott, uh, uh, who else you got? Kenny Gainwell, um, who can catch the ball effectively out of the backfield. So that's another wrinkle that you have to, to throw in there too. Uh, and of course, you know, as we've said, neutralizing the read option with Jalen hurts, because that is what makes that offense so ridiculously hard to stop is that you commit to that, great. We'll, we'll A, beat you with it. And, and if and when it's not effective, we've got uh, this core of wide receivers and one of the best tight ends in the league um, that we can beat you with because Jalen has one of the best arms in the league. 
If it does work, fine. We're going to keep pounding the ball down your throat until you stop it. And until then, we're going to keep the ball, keep it out of your offense's hands, uh, which I think is exactly like I said, this, that's the game plan that the 49ers need to have on both sides. Just flip that script, really, and, and take control of the game uh, as the 49ers. That's how you win. And I think on top of that, too, I think your star players, particularly on defense, have monster games. Like, I, I think that's what it's like. Nick Bosa has two sacks and a strip sack that in a crucial See, moment. I'm... And Fred Fred Warner, like, because, again, like, I, I think you need to turn the ball up. Like, I think they have to find – and Jalen's been so good at protecting the football. Yeah. But there's a certain – and there's a certain element of luck in that, too, you know? That's also where the Eagles have struggled, right? We saw – I think the first iteration of that was, was in the Colts game. Right. It, the Eagles had this ridiculous streak on offense where they didn't turn the ball over. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts has three turnovers in one game against what we thought was a, a middle uh, to low tier and low end tier defense in the in the Colts. Um, and so I think that is fine. I, I, I've heard two rhetoric all week like, oh, this is the, the toughest game that each team has played. Like, yeah, OK, uh, the toughest defense that the, the Eagles played was the Cowboys. Um, in week, I, whatever it was, 16 or, or something. They didn't have Jalen Hurts, so who cares? Uh, throw that out. Uh, the toughest defense the Niners played was against the Chiefs in the middle of the season. No Brock Purdy, no Christian, or well, Chris McCaffrey. That was his first game. Uh, almost an obliterated defensive line. Um, and so, so all of that, you know, it's cliche, right? You say you get to this point in the season, throw all the numbers and stats out the way. No, really here, I think you can't. Because when you look at like the toughest games that each of these two teams had, they were not at full strength and they were not against uh, the caliber of teams that both of these are. That's why they've risen to the top. I, I think that's beautifully said, Scott. And I completely agree with you. Um, all right. Last thing. Or go ahead, Vito, if you have something else. Because I have a couple, yeah. I have like two little other things, then we'll get our picks in. But Perfect. So the one other thing I wanted to know, and I was talking to our boy Grant Calcaterra about this um, Eagles tight end. But I'll be rooting was- for you, Grant. Nobody else on the Eagles, but I'll be rooting oh, yeah. for Grant. <laughs> uh, I hope, God, I hope he has a great game. Um, so it, it, this is not about this specific game, but it's about something in general that we haven't really touched on. And it's the rookie class. So I, I want to just take people through this because I think it's tough. And I think with Brock Purdy starting this game, I, I want people to understand that right when the season was done, it, right when it's done and you're a senior or you're junior going to the pros in college football, you immediately start working out for the draft. Right. So I want people to think about this because Purdy, right when he was done, went immediately to start training for the draft. You do this whole process. Then you hit the combine. Then you go through the draft. Then right after that, you know, very soon starts rookie minicamp. Then you have minicamp and everything. This is the longest year. Yeah. Yeah. This is the longest year that these guys will have in their entire career is in between college and their rookie year. And given Purdy didn't have to start all those games and take all yeah. those hits. So big advantage to him being later in, in, in the year, but does this finally catch up? I mean, I've, I've been talking to different people um, and well, I'd say Grant and some other folks just saying that like, man, it, it just, it takes a toll, not on you, like physically, especially. Yeah. You know, that that's one thing. Cause it's, I mean, the NFL season is so long, what 18th, 19th game for the game. So you know, it's, it's a fucking toll on your body in college. They played 12, maybe 14. So uh, this is just totally different from what these guys are used to. They're putting their body through it. Even if Purdy didn't start, you know, until December, 
he still had all that practice, all that rep. And I just want to put that out there because I think this could be the game where you're going to have the Eagles defense hounding you and going after you. And I think this is where pretty much show again, not that he's a rookie. He looks really composed and incredible, but that's a long year to go through long year and a half or two almost. Yeah. But I think that like no one's a superhuman man and, and he could, he could end up having a, a little bit of a setback this game because of that. Well, and think about it from Brock is. In, in, well, in college, right. It's the same thing. It's like you play your bowl game, you get like a month off and the lifting starts up. Right. And then you're back into it. Plus you're a full-time student. Right. And then it's spring ball and spring camp. And then you're in that you're staying there over the summer and like you're kind of going, it's a very similar, it's a good point. Right. You don't really have a lot of off time. And I would add to that veto too. For as much as Shanahan and everyone else has said, like, man, Brock Purdy is the most confident rookie I've ever, I've ever, most poised and confident rookie. Or I think that was the line from, from Shanahan. Yeah. Right. At some point though, the kids got to feel some amount of pressure. And he, it looked like he felt a little bit of it in the first half against Seattle. It looked like he felt it throughout the game against Dallas. And that was at home. And now he's got to go on the road across the country in cold weather and do it in front of arguably the most intense fans that there are in sports, which are Eagles fans, which he very easily could step up to the task and not be faced with it. But you do have to wonder at some point, does that get to him at all? Um, So I think that's a good point. All right, quickly here. I'm going to go through each position group and each of you one word answer. You're going to tell me Eagles Niners who has, right. who has the advantage. All right. So we're going to start with quarterback Eagles rock Niners. Eagles. Obviously. Come on. It's Scott. Eagles. I'll be, yeah, Eagles. it's Eagles. Thank you. It's Eagles. All right. All right. Let's, let's be real here. Cause I, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to note these and I'm going to make sure we bring this up on yeah. Tuesday. All right, so we're all with the Eagles. Uh running yeah. backs. 49ers. I'd say Niners. And if you want some rationale, it's because I'm including Debo in the run game. It's because I'm including Christian McCaffrey can catch the ball. Yeah, um, I mean, for, for a little bit, the, yeah, you can kind of. But, like, for the most part, we're talking about, like, McCaffrey, Juszczyk, and, um, so, and Eli Mitchell. The reason why it's close to me is because I'm counting Jalen in that. But I guess yeah, not. Exactly. So I'll, Similar. I'll pull yeah. back. Sorry. All right. We're just going to go with uh, – We're just going to go position players. Yeah. So, McCaffrey, Mitchell, and Juszczyk. Versus Scott Sanders and Gainwell, I think it. Yeah. I I think it's San Francisco, it's, it's but but I yeah. think it's pretty close. Uh, yeah, offen- offensive line, Eagles. Eagles. Okay, wide receiver room. That's tight too. I'm gonna lean. I'm, gonna I'm lean going. I'm going Eagles. I'm gonna yeah. go Eagles. Yeah. Are you as well, Scotty? Yeah, I think AJ Brown's just that much of a difference maker. And the fact that you're not asking Devontae to do too much, just run routes, which is his expertise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and Quez Watkins has been incredible this year. I, I might I might zag on you guys here and take San Francisco hmm. only because I'm going to go to the third option there. Jawan Jennings, I think, is a better option than Quez. Quez can beat you okay. deep, but he can't really do much else. And I think Jawan Jennings is that kind of tight end, high wide receiver hybrid. Um and we saw he had possession that, too. And he had that huge catch in the game against Dallas. Like I, Quez, when he's been called on, has either been a home run or it's the play against Washington where he fumbles after catching the <laughs> deep ball, right? Or he drops it. So I, I give a slight lean because I think the first two are dead even. Um, I, I think the number three option there uh, it go it, it favors San Francisco. Uh, tight end. Eagles. Grant Calcaterra, baby. Deep, deep Eagles team. That's why I go with them. I get, I give a hair, hair lean to San Francisco. 
I, I, cause Kittle's not what he was in like 19 in 18, 19, like his first where he was dominant. He's been, he's looked more like that guy and he's do he's always going to have an insane play, like the catch against Dallas, which we didn't even talk about on Monday. Um, but Goddard's gotten really fucking good, man. And like, when you look at yards per reception at, at the tight end position, um, Goddard's higher than them. They have the same, almost the same amount of receiving yards this year. Goddard's played four less games than Kittle did. Um, and they still have the both, same number of yards. So they're both or, great run blockers. They're both great blockers. Uh, they, but yeah, I, I, it, I, it's, it's a toss up. I give a slight lean only for experience to Kittle, but I, I think it's as close as you can get. Yeah. My leans, uh, the Niners too, uh, just because like you said, the experience, uh, Kittle's a leader of that offense, and you've seen how he's he's nuts, but he gets people to rally around him. Dallas Goddard's not doing that uh, in yeah. the Eagles huddle. So yeah, um, Kittle's just yeah, a sociopath, and I love everything about him. It's um, beautiful. I'm going to hate him on Sunday, <laughs> but I love everything about yeah. Kittle. Um, all right, defensive side of the ball, defensive line, Eagles. Yeah, Eagles. as a unit, yeah, yeah. Uh, linebacker, San Francisco Niners. San Fran. Uh, cornerback, Eagles. Darius Lame, uh, nine. No, it's definitely the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, and then the safeties. I, I don't know. Are you? I don't know. I mean, listen. I like the third option with Ward, I th- but I think having Gardner Johnson, they put him down a slot, which I liked him. Kept Blankenship back there. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, because we still don't know if Avante is going to play. If Avante plays, yeah. he's one of the best nickel corners in the league, right? Um, exactly. I like having C.J. Gardner-Johnson and the nickel corner slot because he's a better tackler and he, he'll help yeah. more in the run game in this game, which is why I kind of would rather have fully healthy Gardner-Johnson and fully healthy Reed Blankenship staying yeah. in safety and having him come down and then Avante can maybe be your dime nickel or your dime corner. Um but either way, whether it's Avante or CJ, I think the Eagles win at the cornerback room. Yeah, and then I, safeties, um, it's tough, right? Because Epps, what Epps doesn't do is make big-time plays. But he also doesn't make mistakes. What Ofanga does is make big-time plays, but he also makes a lot of mistakes. So I, I would say Gibson, because he's got the experience, obviously, versus an undrafted rookie. If we're talking, about, Gar- if we're talking yeah. about Gardner Johnson – versus Gibson at that at that strong safety spot I'd probably lean Philly by a little bit but I think the playmaking ability of Ofanga kind of puts them over the top despite the fact that I think Epps has had a pretty good year um he just doesn't do anything that really like changes the game he just doesn't let us get beat which is what Gannon wants so I'm going to give a slight edge to San Francisco because the upside that could also be the reason why we're talking about a fourth quarter deep ball touchdown that wins the game for the Eagles or last minute drive Jalen throws it 40 yards to get him into field goal range. They milk down the clock and kick a game winner. Right. I, I could totally see that happen. Um, I'm, I'm going San Fran too. I, I just think that, that that big playability. Yeah. We're all in so San Fran there. Nice. I think with all of that, we come back and we go, the Eagles have a slight edge, right? I think we picked, I think one or two more Eagles units. But that goes to show you just how close these two teams are. Yeah, um, one right. more. Last, last thing I want to ask you guys, um, and you, you can pick it for either team. doesn't matter. It's a question I said before, and then we'll do our picks. One player from either team or both teams, if you have one for each, um, who makes the, the game-changing play uh, and, and potentially wins the game for their team. The dark like, horse. Uh, 
A dark horse guy. Okay. Uh, I got like Patrick, mine. like Patrick Robinson picking off case Keenum and running it back for the pick six against <laughs> the Vikings. The last time the Eagles hosted uh, the, the, uh, the championship. <laughs> you just pull that one out. Got, you just, you know, yeah. I love that. Um, I got one on either ahead, side of the ball. All right. You go ahead, Scott. If you got one for both, go for it. I got not for both teams, but on either side of the ball. Oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> so what two Niners are you picking then? <laughs> yeah. Offense, the offense, it's going to be the juice. Uh, mm. Kyle juice. Because uh. yeah. <laughs> coming out of retirement. Yeah. Kyle juice check because uh, look, he's, he's been there. He's, he knows this offense probably better than most anyone that's out there. Um, and like you said, uh, when you talked about, our run game it's it's you can line them up as as a true fullback you can line them up out wide in the in the slot as a receiver or wide as a, as a receiver um or you can you know help him he, he might come up with a critical block i mean one of the plays we talked about all season um uh, or, or all off season that uh even though we we fell short a little bit there was that game against the uh the packers where trent uh, Trent Williams came all the way across the line and had that ridiculous block to open up Debo Samuel. So a block could be the the big play in the game that opens something up for McCaffrey or, or anyone. And on defense, uh, Talano Hufanga has a pick six. Mm. I don't know Oof. if that's a dark, I don't know if that's a dark horse, but you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, what about you Vito? Um, <laughs> I don't know if this counts as a dark horse either in all honesty, but I'm going to go ahead and say that, um, yeah, uh, well, I was choosing between a defensive and offensive Eagles player, but I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Kelsey pulling on the offensive line. I think he, he, it's not going to be in the first or second quarter, whatever. He's going to do well with protection. Look for him to make sure everything's lined up. But I think what's going to happen is in the later rounds in the fourth quarter, you're going to see him blowing up the line, pulling from center. Also just, just slamming it up to get to the second level, get on, on Fred Warner and he's going to be the reason this game ices out. If you look at the Eagles running backs, they really don't get contact till pretty far downfield. And, and a lot of it's because of this guy. So I know he's one of the most beloved Eagles players of all time, but I think as an underdog in terms of the key to the game, I, I, will you give me Kelsey? Sure. I mean, all right. I, I, calling I like it O-line calling, counts. It's, it's got to be like one of those like videos that goes viral on Twitter after like, look at this offensive lineman yes. 40 yards downfield lead yeah. blocking still. Cause he just pancaked five guys in front of him. Yeah. Pancakes um, Fred Warner a couple times on, on I mean, a game winning drive. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a great call. Cause I also, I also think it's very realistic. Like I, I said, I think if the Eagles take it straight at Fred Warner, I don't think Fred Warner is going to be able to, to handle it. He's so fast and athletic, but in run stuffing situations where you need him to be like Teddy Bruschi, like clogging the middle, if you got Lane Johnson and Landon the, Dickerson, like those yeah. guys, like coming right at you, I almost you need said the, the old Chris, school Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I almost said the the Chris Collinsworth line. How about a little? Oh. How about a little Dickerson coming down your throat? Um, oh, so funny! <laughs> but you know, I I think that's a really realistic thing. So I think that's a great call, Vito. Um, for me, on defense, I'm torn between two guys. I think if again, I I think I could see. One is Milton Williams, who is one of their rotational defensive tackles. Um, the dude hustles on every fucking play. He's a really, really good athlete. I think he went to Louisiana Tech. Um, really, really good athlete. He's kind of one of those under the radar, like explosive, doesn't, you know, but again, they rotate guys in so often, but you'll see 93, he'll get a lot of reps. So I like Milton Williams. The other one on defense, 
I think if Avante Maddox plays in this game, Oof. I think he makes a big play. I think he gets an interception. I think he does something on the defensive side of the ball to change this game, whether it's a big open field tackle on third and, you know, third and long, and it looks like McCaffrey's about to break it and he gets him short of the stick, something like that. Um, and then offensively, and I, I know I just didn't praise him all that much, but Quez Watkins, I think, <laughs> I think there's a play at some point in this game where San Francisco sends a guy, there's a miscommunication in the defense, and Quez gets – I think it'll likely be Ofangu – sees something, tries to make the Palomalu play, the offensive line of the Eagles, or Kenny Gainwell or Sanders picks him up on the blitz, and you get Quez walking streak, streaking down the field for a big touchdown. So um, those are my two big ones. The la- the ver- I know I keep saying last thing. The last thing here, and I do think it's worth mentioning because we didn't do it on the head-to-head thing, head coaches. Because if you're telling me it's Monday through Friday, I'd take Kyle Shanahan. But if you tell me Sunday for the game, I'm taking Nick Sirianni. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has had a history of, of conservative play calling in big moments, bad clock management. Um, and he gets tricky. And he gets a little, he gets a little too cute with stuff, man. He really does. And, when your team's oh superiorly talented like they were against Dallas last week, they got away with it. When a team is just as talented as you, you have to be on your shit. And I, I give a ton of credit to Sirianni. He gave up play calling last year at one point. No one really knows what week it was, but it was right when the Eagles started winning games. Um, and he really, really focused in on clock uh, on on game management. So again, Monday through Friday, I'd take Shanahan, but on Sunday, I think I would take Nick Sirianni. If you guys have anything taking, else you want to add on, but I'm taking Shanahan just because I fucking yep. love that offense. And I think that I'll put it this way. I think if Shanahan was coaching the Eagles players, and I know it's different, I love their offense still. Uh, fuck it, just switch the quarterbacks. I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, I think Shanahan's just a great coach, and I, I yeah. have a lot of respect for him, Dude, and obviously I, because of his dad. I, I did have that thought, man. Can you imagine Jalen Hurts in this offense? Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh, we'd be I, undefeated. I don't think they would lose a game. I, I genuinely don't. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I just imagining with that defense with Jalen Hurts. Oh, my God. And the fact that he was there in the second round and like San Francisco t- could have taken him. I, it's like, how did that not have happen? You know, I just, I don't know. That, know, that, that to me seems like the biggest you, no-brainer yeah. of all time, which again, hype, you know, it's so always Justin Jefferson. Hindsight's so always 2020. It's always yeah. 2020. I get it. But, I did have that thought this week, like, holy shit. Like, imagine yeah. this Niners team with Jalen Hurts. It would be unreal. All right. And with that, let's do it. Eagles, minus two and a half. V- Actually, we'll start with Scott and then me, and then we'll let Vito be the tiebreaker um, as to where we're leaning on the pod. Scotty, I don't think because I need to we worry know who we're it. both gonna pick. <laughs> oh come on! Like we can't not, dude. We can't not. Yeah, yeah. It's too late in the season. You guys gotta, you gotta pick your team. Who are you rolling with, Scotty? Yeah, uh, two and a half on the road. I think it's gonna be a slugfest. The Eagles kicker Jake Elliott is good, but give me the gold standard. Give me the former Penn Stater, the pride of Lycoming County, PA. Robbie Gould wins this game for the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are 4-0 against the spread this season versus teams with winning records. The Eagles are 1-5 in the last six games against the spread. 
allowing more than 150 passing yards in or less than 150 passing yards in the previous game. So they're going to focus on the run and they're going to get beat. Niners win. I did forget to mention this. Both kickers have never missed in the playoffs. Vintage Jake, Jake. Jake Elliott. You said it, not me. Jake Elliott and Robbie Gold have never missed in the playoffs. Only one of them have had multiple kicks in a Super Bowl as a rookie to win a Super Bowl. Just saying. Um, all right. Uh, no shock here. The Bears, for fuck's sake. <laughs> go, go birds all the way. Um, the link's going to be rocking. I, I, I genuinely believe, and I'm not going to go overly Philly here, though I want to. Um, I, I do genuinely think. Oh, dude! Before the before the Giants game, I played that in Dreams and Nightmares and the Eagles fight song. Oh yeah! And my girlfriend and my roommate. You guys just, have a fight song. That's so cute. They just looked it's at so us. So cool, bro. They just it's looked awesome. at us. It looked at me, bro. and they were like, "What is wrong with you? Like, what are you? You're you're airboxing in the living room right now." I said, "Damn, damn right, right, damn right, you are. You're damn Seth. right, I am. Um, I got your back whenever you need." <laughs> thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Um. It's the birds, man. I, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's come really close. I think this is when the Purdy magic runs out. There's never been a rookie quarterback to start in a Super Bowl, um, to Until play in a Super Bowl. Um, the Eagles are a better team by a little bit. And the uh, all things, like we just went through the breakdown, right? About all things are equal, right? We can, we can look at the top-end talent, the overall average on position groups and bang and how all the things match up, Bob. It's all so close. What is the biggest margin of difference in this game? If there's two spots, it's the offensive line where the Eagles are significantly better, and it's the quarterback position, which are the two most important spots in football. And the Eagles have a pretty significant advantage in both spots. And the beginning of the week, I called a blowout. I thought, I don't know. I think the Eagles might blow them out. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is going to be a good game. I think, the Eagles, I think the Eagles win by seven to 10 points and the birds move on to the Super Bowl. Second time in six years, second most uh, conference uh, uh, championship appearances since 2000 and since the 2000s, so the last 23 years, and the most in the NFC. This is the seventh time the Eagles have been in the NFC championship game in the last 20 years. Go birds. I'm taking the two and a half. We're going to Arizona. I'm on the I'm on the Eagles too, and I think uh, listen, it just comes down to they're at home, and really, I think if this is played at a neutral site, it's a different game. I think if it's playing San Francisco, it's a different game. I think being at home for this game, for this defense, for momentum, it, it really does help when you give up a big play, and then all of a sudden your whole stadium is screaming their heads off because it's an NFC championship game and they know that every single play matters. And I think Philly fans know that San Fran fans know that, but it's in Philly. So I, I'm, I'm, this is where the one seed wins out, right? It actually means something still. And uh, I think the Eagles win by, I, I would say four to seven. I think it's going to be somewhat close. I don't know if it'll be that close the whole game, but I think it'll finish within that, but they'll cover the points. It's going to be an awesome game. I, I can't wait. This is it's uh, going to so, kick so, ass. So, I don't want to have gone wait. through all of that I, and I, have I, it be a blowout. I mean, I unless the Niners are doing the blowing out, but <laughs> I love how I'm going to the game like for you guys. Like, yeah, it's your team, so I feel well, kind of bad. Think, but this is going to be great. well. You also, like, I think, legally, you have to pick the Eagles because you're going to the game. Because God forbid you run into somebody at the game who's like, 
Yo, you're the guy from the from the podcast. You picked the Niners. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this guy picked the Niners. Dude, you yeah, don't want to be that. People packing batteries. Yeah, yeah they're going to be throwing say, batteries at you. I, I will say this, too. So, I saw something on Twitter. Um, somebody I follow who's an Eagles guy, and he was like, I was talking to my friend who's a Niners fan who was like telling me, oh, there's going to be more Niners fans in that building than Eagles fans. And I was like, dude, that dude knows nothing I, yeah. about the NFL. I, I, I do think that's the case. I do think there will be a lot more than most people think, but it's no going to be green. Not yeah. the NFC championship game, dude. No. Yeah, we got all that tech no money, way. though, bro. So we're going to throw it true. at you. That is true, yeah. Welcome, but you're coming to a blue-collar city, and you're going to get your shifts, shit stuff back in your face. Get right. your colors right. Are you green or blue? Figure it out, Philly. Get out of here. Go Niners. Midnight green, baby. All right, hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to preview the AFC championship game. Bengals, Chiefs. We'll get you on the way to championship weekend. Just a little over 72 hours away. Let's go. All right. The the heated rivalry is over. We're back to your regular, regularly scheduled program here on the okay. read option. Uh, we have Bengals chiefs in the AFC championship game rematch from last year. We're going to dive into that. Go uh, position group by position group. Like we did in the last one. Um, and kind of, you know, get down to this. Uh, there's, there's obviously a whole bunch of different directions we can go. Um, but I think most importantly, it all starts with Patrick Mahomes. Um, as most conversations do when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Um, now, this team is, for the Kansas City, going up against the Bengals, they're 0-3 in the last, you know, year and a half. It's, it's kind of crazy that they've lost now three games in a row to this Bengals team and trying to make it a fourth. And the Bengals came into this game, same situation last year, upset a better team, found a way to get in and then punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. What has to happen for them to do it again? I mean, I'll, I'll kick this one off because I think it's got to be their defensive line and their defense. Like their defense has outperformed their ranking, their statistics. Last year, they, they kicked it in the ass and they got to the playoffs. Even last week, they started dominating. And I think we need to see more of that. Like, if the Bengals are going to win, their defensive line needs to stand up against this, again, very talented offensive line. Creed Humphrey's great. They have, you know, uh, Thune on the side. Like, there's great tackles, great guards. I, you know, Wiley's probably their one weak point at right guard or right tackle. I'm sorry. But, like, outside of that, they're really – this whole offense from – from Kelsey, obviously, um, you know, McKinnon's played well, but it's, it's, uh, how am I forgetting his name? Dude from Rutgers. Um, Pacheco. 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 Thank you. Yeah. It's been doing it out, out of the backfield and, and receiving honestly. And, and Smith Schuster and Hardman have, have been good, but, uh, Vela Scanling, you know, he's there, but it's all about Mahomes distributing this. And, and I, it looks like to touch on his ankle quickly, uh, sounds like, you know, he, he came, with no walking boot, was in practice, did calisthenics, did some running. We saw all of that. Um, AJ Hawk said something interesting on the on the Pat McAfee show, which was if if what we saw, if he saw that video and it was on Friday and all those videos and clips, and it was for a Friday of the week, he'd feel confident about Mahomes. And the fact that it was a Wednesday, like they would have sat him if there was any chance that it was going to further tweak it or injure it or if it was sore or inflamed. So it looks pretty good going, going from his ankle, but I think for to your question, Jeff, it's got to be this defensive line. They got to generate some kind of pressure 
and this defense needs to run with these receivers and man, like in Cal- how do you stop Kelsey right now? Kelsey is literally unstoppable. So I don't, I don't even know if it's possible, but that's what they're going to have to do. Um, I would say get pressure on Mahomes and, and somehow beat this offensive line. I agree because that that's huge. And then, you know, you, you turn the table, right? Uh, Joe Burrow and the offense look unstoppable against one of the better defenses in the league uh, in Buffalo last week. And who knows what version of Kansas City's defense we're going to get. They played the best game of the year last week. Uh, but writ large over the course of the season, like this, we, we talk about, you know, Spagnuolo's defense is usually build and build and build and build. And by the time you get here, it's the best version of itself. Well, it didn't really build. It just kind of played really excellently uh, in, uh, in the game against Jacksonville. So um, I don't know what version you're going to get. And, and even if it is the best, uh, that might be okay against Jacksonville, who's inexperienced. But Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst, for Christ's sake, in the last game, and, and Joe Mixon in that offense are, are going to be tough to contend with. It's so interesting, right? Um, this is how ridiculously good Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes are, right? From the pocket, right? We talked about how amazing Mahomes is when it, with his escapability, what he can do on the run, all the flashy plays. He's the number one quarterback in offense and DVOA from the pocket. He's the no, he's like literally the number one quarterback yeah. passing just from <laughs> the pocket. Now, what makes him scary and makes him even more difficult to defend is his ability to scramble and run. We know how this works, right? He's going to have something shot up in his leg come game day. He's yeah. going to have – and this is the quote from him that actually kind of worried me at first, and now I'm kind of starting to talk myself into it a little bit. But Mahomes said in his press conference that he hopes that the adrenaline from the game takes over to help you know, alleviate some of the pain. And if you're banking on adrenaline to be the thing that makes you feel better – that says a lot. And, and they said this on me and a comms podcast, like him walking into that press conference and walking out without a boot looked like a guy who was trying to pretend like his ankle wasn't hurt. Right. He looked like a guy who was gritting it through his teeth, dealing with it for the, you know, the 20 minutes he was there and got out and probably put it right back into an ice bath or right back into a boot. High ankle sprains are no joke. All that being said, I still have so much faith in Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback. Like it, it's just, it's impossible to bet against this guy. And I did it last year, despite my love of Joe Burrow. And I was wrong. And Joe Burrow proved us wrong. But we said it then, and I'll say it again. Something happened in that game last year in the AFC Championship game for them to blow that 21-3 to lead. Uh, but at the same time, yeah. this is a different Cincinnati team. This is a better Cincinnati team. Even with the injuries on the offensive line, their defensive line is better than it was a year ago. It's healthier than it was a year ago. The secondary is significantly better. Von Bell has become a stud at the cornerback position. Jesse Bates is still one of the most underrated defensive backs and safeties in the NFL. And I think, and the one thing that's going in to their advantage in this game, and actually kind of miss, I don't want to say I misspoke, but like I wasn't as well informed when I kind of talked on it. The one thing the Bengals have done in all three of these matchups against Kansas City is they've played Travis Kelsey really, really well. Um, now, Kelsey also made some mistakes. He had the key fumble in the game earlier this year, which could have potentially cost Kansas City the game. You expect Kelsey's probably not going to do that here in game in the second time that they get a chance to play. But I think this is going to be a really, really, really fun, entertaining game. And 
I'm curious if Cincinnati, because right now Alex Kappa and Jonah Williams are both listed as questionable. Really, they're both going to be game time decisions. I wouldn't be shocked if Cincinnati rolls with the same offensive line that they had last year or last week and, and just go out and try to do the same thing. Because I think Cincinnati is capable of, of playing a little bit of bully ball. Kansas City, the defensive line, everyone's like, oh, this defensive line is really good. Who are the good players on this defensive line? Frank Clark, who is well past his prime, and Chris Jones, who's a stud, but Chris Jones has never Chris had a sack. He's a stud. He's amazing. He's probably yeah. the most disruptive interior defensive lineman not named Aaron Donald in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. He's never had a sack in the playoffs, but as we know, sacks are not necessarily the most um, telling stat, right? Bill Belichick hates stats, sack stats, like people who go, oh, this person had this many sacks. They must be amazing. Yeah, they're probably really, really good, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Like Brandon Graham's been a tr- tremendous player his whole career. Until this year, he'd never had more than 10 sacks in a season. So uh, to me, I-, I don't know. I look at this and I go, it kind of seems like a coin flip. And what's crazy is it seems like the video of Mahomes walking in without a boot, that alone, plus people going in and betting on Kansas City after seeing that, has swayed the line because this line opened at one and a half as Kansas City being the favorite. It then switched all the way up to two points for Cincinnati and is now back to Kansas City being a one-point favorite as we sit here today. Um, I want to ask you guys this. Who's the most important player non-quarterback for both sides? I mean, for me, it's going to be Jamar Chase. Um, I think he needs to have an absolutely insane game in order for them to to go off. And then on the other side, I actually think it's uh, Kelsey's easy to go with, but I think it's Smith Schuster or Hardman. It's got to be Kansas City receivers. What are you guys going to bring to the game? So maybe not one player, but that position group. What is going to happen there? Because they've been leaning hard on Kelsey. And to your point, you know, what's going to happen there? Not sure. Either way, we need to make sure that if I'm if I'm Kansas City, those guys get involved and we start taking advantage of some of these matchups on the outside. I think uh, Eli Apple's just a talker, man. I see I see you throw some. I see you double up some guys, throw some wide receiver screens. You got to start taking advantage outside because you haven't really done it, and you have playmakers, but. I think on the Bengals defense, especially Eli Apple and, you, and even Taylor Britt on the other side, like, man, you, you guys, those aren't elite guys. They, they played really well in the playoffs last year, and they played down the stretch okay here. But if I'm, if I'm the, the Chiefs, that's who I'm going after. Yeah, I think, I think those are good picks. Um, interesting stat on that veto that I heard today. Um, Kansas City is fourth in yards after the catch as, as uh, their receiving targets on the year. If you take out Travis Kelsey, they're still sixth in yards wow. after the catch, right? Because you look at this group, you're thinking, oh, no, Tyreek Hill, right? This team's going to suffer. No, they've actually – they have guys who can do some stuff after the catch. And now a lot of that has to do with their screen game too and how much they supplement their running game with, with screen passes um, and, and how good they are doing that. But, you know, in, instead of getting a 10-yard run, that's 10 yards after the catch on a screen pass. But it is worth – you know, noting, and I, I, I don't think the Andy Reid component of this can be overlooked enough either. Uh, Scotty, what about you? Player on each team that has to that has to have a monster day for their team to win. Yeah, I think uh, for the for the Chiefs, uh, I'm going to go with uh, a similar 
skill set, but uh, to the receivers. But I think it's going to be a guy like Isaiah Pacheco who has a, a really big game. Um, he's he's one of those guys where you know, and that's part of the what contributes to the yards after the catch, right? Is is him and McKinnon um, getting the ball in the backfield and, and running the ball uh, uh, after the catch. So I think that's going to be huge, especially with um, Mahomes not wanting to spend so much time in the pocket. Uh, as well with the ankle and uh, and getting the ball out quick, um, it's going to be hard look for either of these two teams to run. Um, the, those defensive lines, especially the interiors, are pretty good. Cincinnati gives up, I think, 106 on the ground a game, so it's going to be tough to get the run game going. But um, if you can work Pacheco out of the backfield in different ways, I think that kind of opens things up for for the guys you said, Vito, and that's the the receiving core to be able to to get open over the middle. I mean, Juju's had a lot of those plays um, hooked hook plays on the sideline plays over the middle where um, he can get a lot after the catch too. So uh, I think that that opens up a lot. If, uh, if Pacheco can have a big game, cause you're going to have to commit a guy to him uh, in your, in your second level. Um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, um, and Finish for up. the, for the, for the Bengals, um, God, I think it's going to have to be, I think it's going to have to be a guy like Hayden Hurst on, mm-hmm. on offense. Uh, because like, I, everybody knows, right? And, and it's still tough to stop, but everybody knows you're going to go Jamar, T, uh, and and Tyler Boyd, right? You you can neutralize those guys. We've seen games where where they've been able to, and the Bengals still do well on offense, but it's because they're able to get the ball to guys like Hayden Hurst, uh, who who can make a big play or pick up a, a big third down. Um, uh, as well, Cincinnati is one of the uh, one of the better third down conversion uh, rate teams in the league. So, um, if they're able to to run the ball with enough poise to get them in in third and uh, third and acceptable, uh, third and manageable, I think they they're in really good shape with, uh, with the way Joe Burrow plays to to make a play to a guy like Hayden Hurst. I think those are both great, great choices. I should have prefaced in saying probably no Travis Kelsey or Jamar Chase because I think those two are a given. Um, yeah. Because yeah. for me, like, I absolutely totally. like, Kelsey is the guy that matters the most for Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, and I would say Jamar is probably the same way for Cincinnati. Um, so I won't make you repick, Vito, because I think you, you bring up a good point. Like, Jamar has to have a really big day going up against that oh. secondary. Right now, Trent McDuffie, the rookie, has kind of been forced into playing outside cornerback. He was really solid when he was playing that nickel cornerback, as a lot of rookies kind of do when they first come into the league, those first-round guys, unless you're a Sauce Gardner or, or – um, uh, the, the LSU guy, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but uh, I would say um, for, so, so in that regard, I think Jamar Chase has an opportunity to have a really, really good day, but for the Bengals, I really want to see them do what they did last week. I really want to see them open up and, and pound Joe Mixon right down the throat. Like I, like I think Joe Mixon has an opportunity in this game to, to really make a stand like Nick Bolton's a really solid linebacker i like a lot of what he's done um especially coming in as a late round draft pick and kind of creating himself into a really really solid you know kind of like tj edwards like just kind of does everything pretty solid um doesn't excel at one single thing i think you go right at kansas city and you get aggressive especially if you're going to have a backup offensive line you want that ball control and you want to keep that defense off balance the more you're able to run the ball the more dangerous joe burrow becomes uh, mm-hmm. And I think Joe Mixon having a really big day is going to be really big for Cincinnati uh, on the Chiefs side of the ball. I actually am going to take a spin off of what Scotty said, because Pacheco is important in the running game. I think they're going to have a really tough time running the football in this game because they know Mahomes is limited. So I think you're going to see tighter boxes 
which to me means how do you beat tight boxes? You force those big guys, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson and DJ Reader and all these guys there on, on that defensive front for Cincinnati, and you force them to run sideline to sideline. And they do this every time Kansas City goes on a run or they've made the Super Bowl or when they won it a couple of years ago. Uh, and even going back to the Brian Westbrook days with, with Andy <laughs> Readers with the Eagles, you had a pass-catching running back who made big-time plays out in the flat, and I think that guy is Jarek McKinnon. Um, Jarek McKinnon is so good, not only in that, in that role of going out, catching plays, turning it up fields on screen passes, even if it's the check down for Mahomes that, oh my God, everyone's covered, but Mahomes still is able to get the ball to McKinnon. McKinnon takes it for 15 yards. He's so good at pass protecting. Like it's the, because he's, I didn't realize this about McKinnon. He's really small. He also played quarterback in college, which I didn't know until this past weekend watching the broadcast. Um, He's a really, really good pass protector. And against the Cincinnati defense, uh, Lou Amarono, what's it? I always fuck up his name. Amaroto. Lou Amaruno. Amaruno. Thank you. Um, there it is. He's, he's so he's going to dial up some exotic blitzes, some of those delayed blitzes and having a running back in there that you trust, especially since Mahomes is going to have to sit inside the pocket a lot. You need a running back. Who's going to be willing to step up and, and deliver a block against a linebacker or a safety coming in on a delayed blitz. Uh, in addition to being a factor in the receiving game. So I think if Jarek McKinnon has a big day, and I'm not saying like the 100 yards and, and touchdown like he was doing earlier in the season when he was a, a fantasy darling, you know, I, I think we're talking about like in this game, he's going to have to play nasty and dirty. He's going to have to pick up blocks, but then he's going to have his number called where he's the only guy open out in the flat, and he's going to have to do something like with that, break tackles out in the open field. Uh, and he's proven to do a really, really good job of that. So I, I'm taking McKinnon on that side. And I think, again, both of these teams are evenly matched in a lot of different ways. I I think it's actually kind of similar to how we talked about San Francisco and and Philly, right? I think right now the exciting matchup is Kansas city's offense going up against the Bengals defense because the Bengals defense is playing really, really, really good football right now. But what we saw last week, right? Buffalo's defense fell apart by the end of the year. And the Bengals were able to do whatever they wanted the entire time moving the ball against Buffalo. Think two weeks ago when they played Baltimore and they played a really, really good defense. They couldn't move the ball much at all, right? If it wasn't for the the Sam Hubbard return for the touchdown, I mean, they held that offense to 17 points. And I'd say Kansas City's defense right now is playing better than Buffalo, but also isn't as good as Baltimore. So I feel like Cincinnati's going to be able to move the ball pretty well. Can they protect the football? Can they execute in the red zone? All those pillars that exist in football. Cincinnati, I think, has to do that stuff and do it consistently. Uh, And then you look on the other side of the ball, to me, like Kansas City's defense is good enough to slow down Joe Burrow, but they have to generate pressure and they have to stop the run. If Cincinnati comes out, especially with backup offensive linemen and are able to run the ball the way that they did against Buffalo, I think Kansas City's going to have a long night defensively. So to me, it's like, that side of the ball, I feel confident about, right? Kind of like the, the Niners offense going against the Eagles defense. Like, I feel confident about the Eagles defense playing well against a rookie quarterback and all that stuff, right? I feel good about Joe Burrow going up against that Kansas City defense to at least put up 20-plus points. Can Kansas City's offense with a banged-up Mahomes against an absolutely locked-down, really impressive unit in Cincinnati, are they going to be able to go toe-for-toe? with a really, really good Cincinnati offense. 
And that's, I think, where this game is going to come down to. So I, I think it's going to be a really, really fun game. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, let's do what we did with the last game, too. I wanted to do this again. Let's go through position by position and yeah. and, and give the advantage to one team or, or, or another because I think that's a good way to kind of break this game down in terms of how we think about it, right? So quarterback, you got to take into account it's banged up Mahomes against a fully healthy Burrow. Who has the advantage? I want to I hear you start this one, Joe. Who do you think has the advantage? Yeah. I think it's Cincinnati. I think it's Cincinnati. I, I think I, the way I look at it is the defensive line and the guys who are going to be coming in off a of blitz, the linebackers, safeties, whoever for Cincinnati, they're going to be pinning their ears back in a way knowing that Mahomes is a lame duck, right? Like he's not going to – I'll say this too. I think Mahomes is going to be friskier than people think. I think Mahomes has yeah. no problem running on a fucked up ankle. Will he be as dynamic? Will he run for the 50 yards like he did last year against Buffalo? No, but he's also that scramble where everything's covered, but Mahomes still picks up the first down easily. That kind of stuff I think is going to be a lot harder for Mahomes this week. Burrow is did some of that last week in Buffalo, and he's also throwing the ball so well right now, and he has that team locked in in this underdog role. I'm going to take Burrow by a slight margin because, again, it's Mahomes. If it's perfectly healthy, I'm still taking Mahomes. But banged up Mahomes, both these quarterbacks, I think, are going to be in a kind of a similar spot. I'm going to lean Burrow and Cincinnati. I'm, Listen, I'll take Mahomes. I'm going to hedge every right. uh, every part of that. I'm going to go Mahomes. <laughs> uh, I'm like, if I could call us a tie, I would. Because I think this is about as close as it gets. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling that way, listen, Mahomes is Mahomes for a reason. Burrow, though, is Burrow. It's so funny when everyone tries to say it's Brady and and Manning again. Manning. And oh, no, it's dude, not. It's Brady so and wild. Brady. No, but it's just like these, right? They're both, they've yeah. won. Like they're so good at winning right now. I, it's like, it's really like if you took Burrow's, it, it really is closer to Elway and Marino. It's like, and that's really what it is. If Elway had a better team early on and won, you know, one of the three Super Bowls he took the shit team to. But either way, I think this is going to be a great matchup. <laughs> and I, I, if I could say Ty Wood, I'm going to give the edge to Mahomes and I'll go KC. But man, it's going to be right there. I'm just taking this. I'm taking Burrow because I think he, he's healthy. Mahomes isn't right. Like again, yeah, healthy Mahomes. Fair. I'm taking Mahomes too, but Burrow's a little banged up. All right, running back room. We got uh, Joe Mixon, Samaji Pirine versus Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Who has the advantage? I'm taking mm. Cincy. I like I like yeah. Joe Mixon. I like what they're doing. It's consistent, and I think there's something in that. Mm. See, because for the most part, Cincinnati's offense in terms of running the ball has been inconsistent, but it's typically about how much they want to commit to the run. Yeah, right. Exactly. I feel like when they want to commit to the run, they've been able to this year. And P. Ryan does add a really great element out of the backfield. I'm also going to take Cincy um, because, again, I think the ceiling's higher with them. Uh, but it also comes into how do they c- commit to it, right? If they commit to the run, or is it like, hey, we're going to throw the ball 50 times, we're going to run the ball 20 <laughs> times? That disparity, if that's closer to 30 30, then I- I'm taking Cincinnati. But for that stuff we were saying about Pacheco had 92 on the ground last last week, and the McKinnon can catch the ball in the backfield and is such so good in pass protection. I think the running back room is actually more important for Kansas City to win this game, but I, I think Cincinnati's the better running back room. 
Yeah, I, it's it's tight because they do very different things too, right? Like they, yeah. the Chiefs don't utilize their running backs as runners the way that Cincinnati does, and the Bengals likewise don't utilize their their backs as as receivers the way that uh, Kansas City does. So, um, that's tight. I think the the edge goes to Cincinnati though, uh, just because if there if there is an edge, I think Mixon's of the the four guys that we discussed, Mixon's the one that is best in both of those. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's why I give the, the lean to Cincinnati there. Mixon's definitely the most likely to have over a hundred yards on the ground. I, I mean, just oh, in yeah. like any, in like yeah. any given game, not just like these, I mean, like in any given game, I, would, I think Mixon's definitely the, the best. I'd be interested to, I'd be interested to see like the total yards for, for all four of these guys on the betting lines. Cause uh, if you're asking me, I think Mixon's probably the only guy that get that gets near a hundred total. Yeah. I think Kansas City because they they buckled down and ran the ball at Jacksonville last week uh, against Jacksonville. I should say last week. I don't think they're going to do that against Cincinnati because I, I think well, this they, defense is just too good. Yeah, a lot of that was a one big play, and they were ahead, so they were running the ball. True. Um, I mean, I think he had like uh, 13 carries or something for 92 yards. So yeah, he had that one 40 yard run or 39 yard run, but um, he still ran at a, at a very efficient clip for the rest of the game. So, uh, Scotty, you're going Cincy, too? Yeah, so we're all yeah, on am, Cincy yeah. with that one. Right. Uh, wide receiver room, I think this is yeah, pretty obvious. Not a debate. <laughs> we're going Cincinnati yeah. here. Um, just like tight end room, pretty obvious. We're all going to go tennis, or Tennessee. Definitely Hayden Hurst. We're all going to go Kansas City <laughs> on that one. Um, offensive line. These are two of those oh, lines, like, right, that, that were needed to be revamped when we came into the season. That was the talk, or even – I guess maybe two years ago with Kansas city a year ago with, uh, uh, with Cincinnati, like who do you think actually is the best here, Jeff? I mean, this is, this is a tough one for me. I, I think I know who I want and who I'm going to go with, but like, who do you think is going to show up the best in this game? Um, the better offensive line is, is Kansas city. Uh, yeah. I, I, and I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, however, no. if Cincinnati's offensive line bullies, Kansas City the way did the way they did last week. Yeah. That's obviously a very different story, right? Um, but when you're just looking at the quality of players that they have in those games, um, yeah, like it, Kansas City's got the better offensive line. Uh, you know, Creed Humphrey's one of the best centers in all of football, uh, second only to to Jason Kelsey. He was, I think, back to he was an all pro his first year, and he was an all pro his second year now in his third. Or this is his second season. So uh, I give an edge to uh, Kansas City. Um, I don't think it's a massive, massive edge based off of what I saw from Cincinnati last week. But again, if Jonah Williams and Alex, especially, I mean, Jonah Williams hasn't even been playing that great. So if they keep the same left tackle they had last week, I think they'll be fine. Jack Carm, Jackson Carmen, I think his name was. Um, but Kappa is a big difference. Like Kappa is a legitimate, like high quality starting center in the NFL. So uh, I give, again, give a slight edge based off of, what we saw last week combined with the quality of player, I'm, I'm still going to take Kansas city, but I, I think it could be closer than people think. Yeah. I'm with Kansas city as well. They have two of the top five uh, win rate uh, guys who, who have the highest win rates on pass blocking to the top five um, interior uh, uh, win rates on, on pass blocking as well. And same, same story on, on the run blocking side. Uh, they, they have two of the, two of the top five uh uh, win rates uh, 
or guys with win rates on the on the run blocking uh, on the offensive line. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Kansas City as well. A lot of that is Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney, but Trey Smith is up there as well. Um, so three of those five guys across the line, that's pretty huge. I'm Casey all the way. All right, so we're all on uh, Kansas City there. Uh, all mm-hmm. right, up next we have the defensive line. I think this is pretty similar to the Philly San Francisco yeah. thing. I think the best player is Chris Jones. Um, let me get Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark's like top five all time in playoff sacks. Uh, so he would have to have a pretty monster day here for the next couple of weeks. Uh, next couple of weeks, I should say monster next couple of weeks, but um, to get even higher on that list. But I, I think top to bottom, I think Cincinnati's a better defensive line. I think it's really hard to argue that DJ reader has been really, really good. Uh, and then in addition to obviously Sam Hubbard and uh, Trey Hendrickson, that's a formidable group and they're healthy. I'm with yeah. you, man. That's a great group. I just don't think uh, it's really hard though. Cause I love Chris Jones and he might be enough to negate everything else. He really might be, but they need help. I mean, you know what Kansas city is doing in the draft or next off season, where they need to address it's like defensive line, the other tackle and end. And uh, I'm going to stick with, with KC here, or I'm sorry, I'm going to stick with Cincy here as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best unit of the two for sure. Top to bottom. All right. Uh, let's go to the linebacker core right now. Uh, Cincinnati's linebackers. Uh, we're talking Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, uh, Akeem Davis Gaithier. Those are the, the, the main three. You're going to see more of Pratt and Wilson than anybody else. Logan Wilson, the best uh, in that group for uh, Cincinnati. And they're going up against a Kansas City front. I mean, we, we I've talked about Nick Bolton, how big of a fan I am of him and how he's played this year. Uh, but you also have Carlos Dunlap, who came over, and Willie Gay. Uh, I give, in this group, slight edge to Kansas City. I think Nick Bolton, uh, I think it's just I think they're better across the board. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, he's the Sam linebacker, but they also bring him down in kind of a pass rush situation a lot. So you'll see him rush the passer a lot of the times. He's not necessarily mm-hmm. just... Uh, you know, like a, a traditional four, three type linebacker, even though that is their base defense teams never play that. Uh, and I think Willie Gaze played really, really well this year. Uh, he stepped up in that game against Jacksonville and made some plays. So when you're talking about the main two guys at that position, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, I'm giving the lean to Kansas city, but I don't think it's a huge gap either. I I'm going Bengals here, man. I'm going Cincy. I, I really like Pratt and Wilson Technically, right, they pull Hendrickson off if they run their, their base 4-3-4. Four, three, four. I, I still just – I like what they have at the defense and the interior and the defense, and I think they're going to have a big game against Kelsey. You said it before. They've matched up before, uh, even having safety help down there. But uh, I'm, I'm going with Cincy, and I think this could be one of the, one of the big keys to the game. I'm going to go with Kansas City as well. Uh, look, Cincinnati's got a top 10 – I mean, they're both top 10 uh, – in opponent rushing yards per game, but in Cincinnati's case, it comes largely from the defensive line. That push for Kansas City comes from that second level uh, for the most part, and I think that's that's a huge edge. All right. Uh, that brings us to our cornerbacks. Trent McDuffie, the rookie out of Washington, and Legereus Sneed for Kansas City. Uh, again, McDuffie started off the year kind of in that nickel spot. They slid him outside. He's held his own better than I think people would traditional like what you would expect from a rookie definitely still hasn't been like that lockdown guy that you draft in the first round that you're kind of hoping for uh legerius need another up and down cornerback as a lot of guys are in the nfl and then cincinnati of eli apple and cam taylor Britt. 
I look, there's a lot of negative energy towards Eli Apple. He went on his class Eli Apple shit talking tour this week and pissed off a yeah. lot of people. Um, there was some questionable things as to whether he was referring to DeMar Hamlin or not. Uh, I, I like to think he wasn't. Um, I like to think that somebody like, like given everything that happened that night, that's not what he did. Um, but Cam Taylor Britt's been playing really, really good. And then you have Trey Flowers uh, and, and Dax Hill who kind of flopped down there in their, uh, in their nickel and, um, and dime looks as well. So uh, who gets the advantage here? My, for me, I, I'm taking Cincinnati. Uh, I know Eli Hill, uh, Eli Apple, he gets beat a lot. He talks a lot of shit. He's going to piss off people. Uh, I think Kane Taylor Britt is the best cornerback out of all four of these guys, even though Legereus Need can be really, really good when he's kind of on his game. Um, but I'm leaning towards Cincinnati. I'm going McDuffie and Steed. I really like these guys, man. I think that uh, they're going to match up. Now they have the they have the tougher uh, task at hand on Sunday for sure, right? Yeah, um, without a doubt. And but I do think that that they're the better corners. I think that they end up. Um, doing better against the average than than most teams would against against Chase Boyd and Higgins. So we'll see. I think it's Cincinnati too. I just uh, their their presence in in the secondary alone is, uh, like you said, Kansas City's little boomer bust. Trent McDuffie's still a rookie. Lejarius Sneed can play well, and at times he's been the one that uh, when you when you look at their opponent passing yards per game, which is always hovering over two fifty this season. Uh, that's that's usually the reason why. Um, yeah. Similar, so I'm I'm gonna go with Cincinnati as well. It's also worth noting too, Jalen Watson, the rookie cornerback uh, for Kansas City, who's been playing out of the slot for them a lot. He's the one who had the one in one handed interception that closed out the game last week. Uh, playmaking type guy. Uh, he's definitely gonna be rolling in with confidence after what happened uh, last week. Uh, and then the safety position or positions, I should say. Kansas City's rolling out Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, Cincinnati, Von Bell, and Jesse Bates the third. Uh, to me, this is very clearly Cincinnati. Um, I uh, Jesse Bates and Von. I mean, Von Bell's been playing at elite levels. And again, you also throw a little bit of Dax Hill. When he gets on the field, he's kind of that tweener. Uh, it's what he played at, at, at Michigan. He played a ton of that nickel corner, but that kind of aggressive nickel corner who's also kind of like a linebacker and kind of like a safety so they've been able to mix him in a little bit, but yeah, Von Bell and Jesse Bates, uh, it's probably, I, I, they are the two best safety combo uh, left in the, in the playoffs and, and they're up there for the best in the NFL as well. Yeah, for sure. The unit's better than Cincinnati. I love Justin Reed. He's a big playmaker, but uh, uh, you know, that you can't live and die by that. That unit in Cincinnati is nasty. All right. Is Vito, you're on that too. Oh, I'm sorry. I wrote it down. I didn't even say it. Cincy, easy money. <laughs> like, I, I, Von Bell, I love Bates, too. I think this is a great combo. I think they're better than what people think they are. And I think they're a major reason why the Bengals had such success last year, why they're doing it so well this year. Um, they're going to be all right. And since he tagged Jesse Bates this year, and remember he was late coming into training camp, um, showed up, like, I think the week of their first preseason game at the very, very end of training camp. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big one for them. Uh, and then I think the last one that's worth talking about here, um, the place kickers. We have Evan McPherson mm. for Cincinnati and Harrison Bucker. Money. <laughs> and McPherson was Dude. amazing as a rookie last year and has struggled at times this year. He's either been automatic or he's 
hooking extra points. Like there, there really hasn't been a whole lot of in between here for McPherson and Harrison Bucker has been the epitome of consistency. He's got a huge leg, especially kicking in that environment, kicking in Arrowhead. I give the advantage to Kansas city, but I think McPherson should be the better kicker. I mean, he's definitely more, I think he's got more talent, uh, but he's definitely struggled a little bit more this year. And Bucker is just like, set it and forget it. Don't even worry about it kind of guy. So I, I'll lean Bucker, especially at home. I'm, a, I'm, I'm flipping, man. I'm, I'm going to go with money Mac. And the only reason is because when it comes down to this point in the season and you're looking for a kicker, it's that clutch gene and money max got it. And Harrison Bucker, as good as he is, um, you know, I, I just think that, that he's, I mean, you call him consistent this year. He's missed extra points too, but, um, but man, Mac is, is talent wise better and, and he's got the clutch. So I'm with him. Are you sure it's not because he went out at halftime during the Super Bowl to watch Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre last year? Do you yeah, remember probably. when that happened? That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what a legend. I, I'm going McPherson too. I'm going Cincy. And the only reason why is because what you touched on, Jeff, I think, I think this might come down to some long kicks. And I think the perfect thing for him is, yeah, he's had some struggles, especially this season, but Man, when you have to go nail a 55-yarder, you're kind of not thinking about like, oh, what do I, I don't, don't mess this up. You're like, I need to nail this, right? Yeah. It's a very different mentality. And I think that's why he's so good at long kicks is like, if he gets in the right mentality, I need to fucking kick this shit hard as hell and straight. And that's when he succeeds. And so I think it'll come down to some long kicks. And I actually think that since he will, will win that battle because of, I, I don't think it'll be um, necessarily better than the other. I think it'll be the position they're in. And I think he's going to need to make those. And I think he will. Yeah, and uh, and I would also give the advantage to Cincinnati with the punter Tommy Towson. Uh, I think I mean I don't. I'll be honest. Don't really know much about Drew Chrisman, whoever the, the punter for Cincinnati is. But uh, so good. Yeah. Neither these guys punt. Neither of these guys punt. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's true. Right? <laughs> uh, and then another interesting. If we're sticking on the um, on on the option here on and the uh, the special teams, Kadarius Tony and Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor's definitely more like the safety blanket. Like he's, he might break off like a 15 to 20 yard run at max, but he's going to catch everything that's kicked to him. Kadarius Tony, major playmaker, but is definitely more susceptible to uh, to a fuck up here and there, which is another interesting battle to take a look at. All right. Um, any other thoughts, anything we haven't hit yet from this game that you guys want to touch on? No, I think, well, I, I, the, the only other thing I'd add is because we did it in the, in the other one too, is the head coaching by like, we know what we're getting mm. with Andy Reed, but uh, so much credit has to go this year to, to what Zach Taylor has done. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause last year it seemed like a, a miracle of a run uh, with the team that had, had previously underperformed for most of, uh, of the past 25 years. But um, <laughs> what, what he's done to turn that, that team and that franchise around, it, it cannot be understated. It's for real. And well, he's and for, that this year. And it's, it's a great point because it's something I've been meaning to bring up on the pod and we just haven't been able to fit it in. But um, yeah, man, I mean, he, the job he's done considering the backlash from his hiring, yeah. like who the fuck is this, you know, white bread Ken doll looking dude, you know, most generic looking white guy you've ever seen in your life. He's done a phenomenal job as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals back-to-back AFC championship games. Um, and he's, he's, what I really liked about him too is like he gave over so much control of the offense to Joe Burrow, right? The Cincinnati team came out and struggled right out of the gates and, and he gave him control. He said, Hey, here you go. You want the offense. Let's, let's do what you want to do. You want more responsibility at the line of scrimmage. 
here it is. And the second he did that, that team started winning more. And that's trust and belief in your quarterback to go and make the right decisions and to do the right things. And I think that's what makes Joe Burrow special. That being said, I'm taking Andy Reid. Like, I, I know Zach yeah, Taylor well, yeah. beat him last year, but, like, Andy Reid is, is arguably one of the top five coaches in NFL history. And if he gets another Super Bowl under his belt, I think that becomes inarguable. I mean, he's third all-time in wins. He's the only coach in NFL history to have 10 win multiple – what was it? To have – oh, now I fucked up the stat. There was a stat – I think it was like seven 10-win seasons with multiple franchises or something. <laughs> That's um, ridiculous. Like, it's just absurd, like, what, what yeah. he's done now. Two different places. He has an uh, – Tim Hasselback was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, who – fun fact, I didn't even realize this. Tim Hasselback was on the Eagles – uh, in 2001, when they lost to Tampa Bay in the uh, NFC Championship game, he was like uh, one of the backup quarterbacks on that hmm. team. Uh, he was like the practice squad quarterback, so he wasn't even dressed for the final game, which was crazy. I had no idea. But he talked about either. the way that Andy Reid would, would act in practices and, and his ability to just kind of push the right buttons, know when to talk, when to speak up. And then you also know they know that Patrick Mahomes is hurt in this game. So they're going to come up with new wrinkles and new things that – Cincinnati hasn't seen that they're not going to be able to prepare for that I think is going to help uh, Kansas city uh, perform well in this game offensively. And I'm excited to see it. Um, all right. Any other thoughts? We good. Let's do it. All right, Scotty, starting with you, Kansas city minus one at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Who are you taking? Yeah, not great against the spread at home this year. They're two, five and one. Uh, and I That's think it's going to be like down... 10 digit favorites every single yeah. time. So, yeah, true. But I think it's I think it's going to come down to 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 this edge. Cincinnati's a top five red zone defense. Kansas City's a top two scoring red zone offense. Kansas City's the bottom five red zone defense. They're 29th going up against Cincinnati's fifth ranked red zone scoring offense. If Cincinnati can move the ball and we I think they will be able to. I, I, I think they're going to have a, a number of good shots in the red zone uh, to put some more points on the board that don't come from. Uh, money max foot uh, necessarily. Um, but again, I, I give him the edge in that game uh, as well. So uh, for that reason, I'm picking the Bengals to cover. All right. Vito. Man. Um, I actually like what you laid out there about the red zone, Scotty, because I think it's all about scoring points in this game. You got to get touchdowns for both these teams. It's all about getting touchdowns. Can't turn the ball over. Right. Which has been pretty good on both these quarterbacks all year. It's really the skill players, fumbles, all that good stuff. And then when you when you look forward, obviously it's about you trust both these guys in the two minute. You trust the you know both these teams really is in a two minute situation. But um, in a two minute situation last year, around this point, right, one week beyond, is when basically the Bengals offensive line couldn't handle the Rams D, and and that's what changed the game. That that really was the difference in the Super Bowl last year. I think this game is almost the Super Bowl in terms of. Uh, both of these are probably the two best quarterbacks left. Um, I would, I would think that's pretty clear. And, and I think that, listen, even though Mahomes is hurt, I think I got to go KC. He's still, he's that guy until he's proven wrong. And I know last year was different, but this year is just, I, you can't bet against him at home. In my opinion, he's entered the Brady era of like, I don't bet against this guy at home, not in the playoffs. And I won't, but God damn it. Burrow's close. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going KC, but God damn it. This is uh, I'll tell you what, am I, and personally, I'm not going to bet on this game. I will not bet on this game 
in real life unless maybe one team goes down a lot because this is going to be such a close fucking game. I, I am so excited for this one. Yeah, it's it's a lot of great points. You both have laid it out. I'm here to be the tiebreaker. Um, you said that thing about not wanting to bet against Patrick Mahomes, right? And you're right. He's uh, To me, he's been in that world pretty much since his first year, like when they won the Super Bowl. At, when, once they won the Super Bowl, I was like, I'm just never betting against this guy. It's just a, it's a mm-hmm. fool's errand. But I also feel that way about Joe Burrow. <laughs> I, I just – I never feel good about betting against this guy. Even – Last week, right? I thought Buffalo was going to win the game. I was obviously very wrong, but I still wasn't going to bet against him. I still took Cincinnati on the spread because I just, I no matter what, I just believe in this guy. I'm really torn on this game. I've gone back and forth about 10 times. As much. I think that's how the game's going to go too. (laughs) As much as I would love to see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl before Justin Herbert wins a playoff game and see him go to two Super Bowls before Justin Herbert wins a playoff game. I can't, I can't bet against Kansas City after losing three in a row to this team. Kansas City is going to pull out everything they have because Mahomes is limited. They need absolute perfection from everybody else, and they need a ton of creativity. And nobody in the NFL does that better than Andy Reid. I think the Kansas City defense is good enough they're not as bad as buffalo was last week they won't play that bad and they won't be as good as what baltimore was in the wild card round but they will play good enough to keep this within reach and that's all patrick mahomes needs is to keep this game within reach everything in my body is telling me to pick cincinnati but i'm taking kansas city and mahomes punches his ticket and we get an andy reed going up against his old team Ah. And we get the Kelsey brothers squaring off in the Super Bowl between Philadelphia and Kansas City. So to recap, Scotty has yeah, San Francisco. I'm on an island. <laughs> Scotty has San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Vito and I both have Philly and Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I think it's I, I, either one of those matchups. I think would be really, really fun. Um, I'll be honest. I don't I, want to see a rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl. I just don't. But it still would quick. be an amazing story. Do you guys think we got the four best teams right now? Yeah, I do too. All right, so isn't that wild? Like after all this expansion, all that stuff, put all the bullshit aside. We we feel like we all have the four best teams. Thank God, because those years when you have the the well, seven seed, like and that's the Giants, what I said sometimes, on Monday, you're like, man. Yeah, I, I, you yeah. know, I said even even going into Sunday, I felt like yeah, we had the, the, six the best six yeah. teams left. <laughs> yeah. So no matter what happened after that, I felt, and obviously, I think Cincinnati Buffalo was a coin flip. You know, Buffalo obviously wasn't playing their best football at that point, so th- they lose. Buffalo's not good at Dallas, coin flips. <laughs> that's no, true. That's funny, Scott. Uh, and Dallas to me is was, was five or six. Like Dallas to me never got into that top four teams. I think if you're talking about the top four teams, it's these four, and then whether Cincinnati, Buffalo, you can flip flop either way. I I really do think that. Yeah, so I, I, think I agree. We found the happy medium here. I I completely agree. Um, and, and I think not to divulge or diverge too much from the NFL, but I think that's what people are worried about when they expand the college football playoff is. Go ahead, expand it to 12. Don't care. You're going to end up with the same stupid four teams you would have anyway. Um, and and so journey, Scott. I, I think that, yeah. So I think it's it's a little different in college too, um, for money, sure. But it's the TCU, Scott. It's the money. It's the New York Giants at nine and seven. 
taking it to the undefeated (laughs) Patriots. That's why you do it for that one in every 10 years when the underdog pulls it off. That's why you do it. Cause that's the shit we never forget, man. Like, I'll tell you what, like the two Super Bowls that weren't Eagles based Super Bowls that pop into my brain when someone says the word Super Bowl were the giants against the Patriots in my lifetime. Those are the two that pop in my head Mm -hmm. because both of those were so unexpected and so crazy. Um, not to say that the other Super Bowls weren't great or interesting or whatever, but those are the ones that pop in your mind. And that's why the expansion is good for college football playoff, which is the only mm-hmm. way you could end a podcast, right? Is somehow taking all of that and tying <laughs> it back to college football playoff expansion. That's what you get for working in college sports radio for as long I miss as I college did. football. <laughs> um, last thing, but well, real quick, just give me thumbs up, thumbs down. Frank Reich is the hire for Carolina Panthers. And we'll go through this more down the line once everyone's No, no. Scott's in the middle. Vito's down. I'm going to give her a thumbs up. I'm lukewarm. I'm giving it a thumbs I, up. All right. Okay. I like, I like Frank like Reich. He, why? I like. I mean, him. I know I just, you like Frank Reich. I, I like Frank Reich, too. I just saw what he did with a mediocre team. Um, and now you're putting him in the same sort of I scenario. That, in, uh, yeah, in but Carolina. I think – I don't know. I, I really do feel like he was in he, – he got that job thinking he was having Andrew Luck. Right. And then that turned into Jacoby Brissett, which turned into Phil Rivers, which turned into Carson Wentz, which turned into, you know, whatever the Matt Ryan, Ryan yeah. slash Sam Ellinger, whatever the hell they were doing with that <laughs> this year. Like I, to me, like I have a hard time faulting Frank Wright and all that. I think Chris Ballard has more to blame there. Um, all right. Last, 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 last thing. I want to take you guys back six years ago, 2017, happy new year into 2018. Hold up, wait a minute. The Philadelphia Eagles are hosting the NFC Championship game with a second-year head coach and a second-year starting quarterback, and they're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, in fact, second in defensive DVOA, who has a questionable, unproven quarterback with a loaded wide receiver room, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and they walk into Lincoln Financial Field, go down, score a touchdown. And at 8.15. And get 38 points hung on them. Go Birds, baby. Go Birds. My name's on the podcast. I get to do that. Thank you all for listening. We love you guys. Enjoy the weekend. We will talk to you guys on Monday, Tuesday, whenever it'll come out. You'll hear it. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Enjoy the games. Bet responsibly. Get drunk. Go Birds. Take it easy, everybody.